everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Women on War podcast. Where you're two not-so-average museum gals discuss various topics on warfare, all the while drinking and singing some jokes. I'm your host, Jillian Drapola. And I am your host, Alyssa Atkins. This week, we will be taking a tour to another continent. But before that, well, you already know what's next. Basically, what in the world are these two gals drinking? Well, this week, I am drinking wine. Because, you know, we're traveling to Italy. So it works, right? I'm down for this. And, like, you know, with everything that happened last year, you know, New Year, New Us, sadly, COVID is still around. But, I mean, let's, let's, yeah, I want to go to Italy real bad. So, let's go. But, I mean, we'll go in, like, another time when COVID isn't happening. But this week, we were talking, COVID did not exist. So, I'm okay with this. I, too, have gone for a glass of wine because I was also too lazy to go get limoncello. So, I'm just going to straight up say it. This week, we're getting to the bottom of the oaken bucket. Literally... Like, it's like scraping the bottom of the barrel here because, you know, that, okay, I'm sorry, guys, that was a really bad, like, bucket joke on my part. But even though this war wasn't fought over the bucket specifically, it was a pretty big trophy for one side. So let's go back a bit before we get to the rival city-states of Bologna and Medina in the region of the Emilia Romagna in northern Italy. And I have to preface it, like, I am not Italian. I, I might butcher things, and I do apologize for that in advance. It might be the wine, or it just might be my poor pronunciation. I don't know. We'll find out. I That's really fine, because I'm right there with you. And like, if you look at our show notes, Jillian, on our Google Doc, I actually had to look up a certain word and how to like pronounce it, so I did like a phonetic pronunciation. <laughs> I was like, man, if I'm drinking wine, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, so and, um, and, we're just going to go ahead and put the phonetic way of saying it in there. Yeah. Um, however, though, and you, know, you know what? Sometimes like that's what you just got to do, especially if you're just drinking wine, we're just going to roll with it. Oh, yep. We're, we're rolling with it, for sure. We're going to roll with so, it, so Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. So essentially, though, to get back on our topic, from the late Middle Ages until the Renaissance, Northern Italy was a truly divided region. So as many factions supported the rival political claims of the Holy Roman Emperor and the Pope. Additionally, the divided names were the Guelphs, which in this case was Bologna, and the Ghibelline, which was Modena. In the months before the battle, border clashes truly intensified. This, again, is very much like Sharks and the Jets. Again. <laughs> Again. I feel like we're sensing a theme. There's so many. We'll get into more of our themes, folks. But we definitely do have another Sharks and Jets scenario here, which is only going to be exacerbated in a comical way from, obviously, as we already discussed, our wine drinking. Because it is mildly appropriate to believe there was some singing going on because, once again, Italy. But really, Jill, continue. Take it away. Now, a lot of the times when people, I feel like, look up this this war, and this happened when I looked up this war. I don't know if it happened when you started your research on it, but a lot of the times it'll just be, like, called the War of the Oaken Bucket. But really, it was the Battle of Zapolonio, and it really was just fought over, like, territories because, you know, 
no war is going to be fought specifically like over one bucket. I mean, maybe it has. This was not the case. This was just kind of like a side trophy, like we said. But I mean, we really got to get down to it because these two city states uh, of Bologna and Medina are just two small pieces to a much larger puzzle, especially in the way of the Holy Roman Emperor and the Pope. So to break it down a little bit, uh, there's this guy that we all know and maybe love, depending on where you were at in the Holy Roman Empire, and his name was Charlemagne. And he basically forces the Pope uh, to make him emperor. Uh, but he and this and the Pope were in this big, you know, toxic relationship as to who has the most power over who. Like, it was this big, like, circular power struggle going on. So in this time, not all popes were great. You know, a lot of them were martyred, you know, for some things, just, you know, different religious beliefs and everything like that. But then there were other guys who were, like, gambling. They were, like, hanging out with the ladies. And one guy was even caught with, like, some of their dude's wife. So who kind of controlled who in this situation? Because a lot of the times the Holy Roman Emperor decided that it was within his divine power to be able to appoint his own popes and bishops and, you know, nobility and and things like that. And the Pope is like, hang on, that's not that. mm, mm, Really? So, again, like, who controlled who here? You know, like you said in the last episode, to go back to my big fat Greek wedding, which, if you know my family on my mom's side, this is what they say constantly. Um, you know, she simply says, the man may be the head, but the woman is the neck and can turn the head any way they want. The noble woman essentially controlled the popes because who runs this world? Girls. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, <laughs> especially during medieval times. Um, But enough is enough, to be honest. You know, one day the Pope at the time decided to write basically his own set of rules saying that they alone can give the power to all the princes of the different city states. Uh, You know, and continuing on with the duchies and all this other, just continuations, essentially the Lords, anything along those lines. And, the emperor at this time was picking who they wanted in the religious roles, as Julian said. So really when it comes down to it, it was one hot mess of a federation of city-states. And if we know one thing, if city-states get their own power, their true own power within a government, all hell breaks loose. And essentially, if they rebelled, the emperor just literally looked at it and was like, mm, I'm going to pick a new one. So the rules basically drew the line in the sand, more or less. I I feel like, you know, anytime, you know, people did their own thing and the emperor was like, mm, I want to pick the next guy. He's like secretly like Ariana Grande's like, thank you, next plays along. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to sing because no. But like, I mean, you can just imagine it. Like, let's fast forward it a little bit to when this guy named Henry IV becomes emperor. He's literally a kid because the previous emperor caught tuberculosis and just, you know, straight up died. So this little kid takes over, name is Henry IV, and the cardinals, Pope, are like, well, you know what? He's a little kid and we're going to steal the power back and we're going to kind of break this like toxic cycle and the power struggle. 
we're only going to let the Cardinals pick the Pope now. It's not going to be the other way around where, you know, the Pope picks the Holy Roman Emperor and the Holy Roman Emperor picks the Pope. Nope, we're just going to stick with it. And it's literally just going to be the Cardinals. So when Henry IV grows up, he reads the rules that the Pope wrote. Um, you know, only I can pick, you know, these people. And I have this power because I am, you know, chosen by God and everything like this. The Holy Roman Emperor decides to turn on the Pope, just kind of like have like a little like fist fight for a minute, verbally, not actually physically. But then all the princes and the principalities in the Holy Roman Empire is like, um, hang on, that's not really cool. The, po- the princes are in a power struggle over each other and you just get a lot of civil wars going on and it's just mass chaos and you have people being pro-pope and pro-emperor. It's a hot mess, literal dumpster fire. And in Northern Italy, the emperor was always questionable to those Italians because of, you know, they're cut off by the Alps. So this perfectly brings us to 1325 in those two city-states of Madonia and Bologna. And now I want a sandwich. Oscar Mayer has a way with B-O-L-O-G-N-A. <laughs> I mean, that actually sounds pretty good, too. I'm just like, not gonna lie. Like, a fried bologna sandwich sounds pretty darn good. And, like, no, that's all I want. And I just want a big bowl of pasta. <laughs> but really, that's not what we're here for, guys. You know, we are literally here to get down to business. We have to get down to this oaken bucket and why the war occurred in 1325. So essentially, there are many wars that are going on during just this entire time, specifically within these states, essentially, all throughout Italy. However, when we really look at this one particular battle in 1325, it is known as Juliana said, the Battle of Zappolino, and truly the only battle of the War of the Oaken Bucket. During this battle, the, Bo- the Bologna mustered an army of 32,000 men and marched against Modena in November. Specifically, I believe it was November 15th. And additionally, though, 7,000 Modenese under Passerino Bonachosi met them at Zappolino, which is in Bolognese territory. So, which, you know, if you study, like, warfare, like, you know, for example, the American Civil War, it's not about how many battles you win. It's about how many territories or cities or forts you take. So this fort was a defensive uh, for you know, the Balinese people that the Modenese wanted to take as a key advantage in the battle, which, surprise, they did. The Modenese took on the Balinese army right then and there, 7,000 to 32,000 men, even flanked the army with the cavalry. I mean, that's pretty, it's pretty good already. Now, the force of the Balinese was actually commanded by none other than Pope John XXII, because at this time, way back in the day, the Pope had its own army, still kind of does with like with the Swiss army. You might recognize them as the men in like the metal breastplates and the wonderful velvet uniforms, very medieval looking. But Popes actually commanded armies. Today, it's rather hard to imagine, but it was very common during the Middle Ages. It just baffles me that a Pope would command an army. Right. It really does. It just baffles me because they're supposed to be so peaceful, right? Bringing yeah. the peace. At least that's what we know today. But the thing is, within two hours, the Modernese Gelmin coalition routed the Bolognese Gelf coalition after heavy fighting. So they, as Jillian said, flanked them. 
and really trying to save some of their northern Italian dignity, which we know Italians have a lot of dignity, the Balinese and Gallops withdrew with their now emboldened opponents in hot pursuits. Therefore, the Balinese chased the fugitives to the gates of Bologna, and the Balinese army camped outside the city for three days. And from there... Only for the Madnese to steal the one and only Oaken Bucket, which is the silliest damn thing to steal. I mean, could they have stolen another item from the city? Like, I don't know, key or, I don't know, the mayor, somebody else, but a bucket? Like, okay, okay. It's it's pretty evident that whoever was... Sure, guys. <laughs> <laughs> It's really evident that whoever was commanding, like, the Balinese army, they just looked at the bucket and they're like, I like that bucket. That is a nice bucket. And he was like, I want it. Get it now. So they took the bucket. And, I mean, if you looked at the bucket, if you actually look at pictures, which we will gladly post on Instagram for everybody, what what does it look like, Jill? It looks like... Okay, now I feel like if you just Googled, like, a, a regular picture of, like, an oaken bucket, you would just find, like, this very, you know, basic, you know, cobbled together, like, bucket with, like, two, like, rings around the side. No, this thing is, like, Pinterest-worthy bucket. It has, like, a nice, like, metal handle across the top. It's got kind of, like, really nice decorative metal pieces down the side. It's, it's I'm not gonna lie, it's a, it's a pretty nice bucket. I mean, as nice as a bucket could be, like you think, right? You're like, oh, it's a bucket. It's okay. No, it's not like a bucket from Home Depot that you pay $17 for and will break in like two dry, like two yep. things yep. of water. No. It's the most beautiful bucket you have ever seen. And it just makes me wonder, like, I really want to know if there's accounts, like maybe like diary or journal articles or something like that, primary sources or letters from you know, those who serve in the Maronese army writing back home of like, there was this bucket and it was like King Arthur's sword, you know, like the sword and the stone. And there was just, just this bucket. light shining down on it. Well, like <laughs> this big, beautiful beam. And they were like, <gasps> you know, angels start singing in the heavens and it's just this beautiful light. And they're like, that is what we need to steal. And we need to keep it forever because then they turn into Gollum and they just, it's their precious. My precious. The bucket. <laughs> <laughs> like, of all the things, you know, after, like, the battle happened, you know, it was, or peace was organized very, very quickly. And so they decide, like, okay, we'll give you back, like, the fort. And we'll give you back, like, your piece of the river. And sure, we'll give you back, like, the prisoners that we took. Fine. Um, And they're like, can we have the bucket back? And they're just like, no. Hard pass. <laughs> Straight up. Straight up, no. Mm. Hard pass. Could you imagine, too, like, them doing the Italian hand while they're doing it? They're like, oh hard pass. Just no. Not happening. It really is funny, though, that, like, out of all the things, they literally just sat there and were like, no, you're not getting this bucket back. Like, you could have a fort. Why give up the fort? Like, if it was me, I would not give up the fort. I would give the oaken bucket back and be like, this land is my land. This land isn't your <laughs> land. <laughs> like, Seriously, like I now the worst part is, is that in all of the research, it literally doesn't say any reason as to why they stole the bucket out of everything. 
they're just like, you know, just for like, you know, a swift kick to the knees. And, you know, you folks are still grabbing your water from a well with a bucket. Ha ha ha. Have fun with it now. Like, (laughs) I mean, in all fairness, like, do you think because we are drinking wine and obviously water really wasn't something that they would have drank in medieval times. Do you think that they probably more than likely could have been drunk from wine and they decided in the middle of the night to just go on this recon mission to go take this bucket and somebody was just like, my wife would really like this bucket or this person does not necessarily have the greatest dowry, but this would make a beautiful present for her. So I'm going to give it to her. It's my betrothed. (laughs) Maybe they got drunk and like, went on a recon mission because the Montanese army did decide to camp outside of the city walls of Bologna for like three days and just hardcore party and was like, oh, who pushed you back into your city walls? We did. We did. And like, I don't it's know. like a, it's essentially like if you've ever been to a frat party, and like, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's essentially like a frat party, right? So the entire Montanese army is are camping out. They're like, it's a rager. We totally pushed them back into their fort. And then you always have that one person in like a fraternity or just even like a friend of somebody who's in a fraternity that just goes out there and they're like, you know, what would be a great idea to steal a bucket. And like, they just go out and do this crap because this is, this is what they do. So I'm sure it was probably the same back it's, then because it's like the equivalent of like stealing a mascot. Mm-hmm. Like, and the the one that comes to mind is, like, the Army-Navy game when they steal the goat, like, from the Naval Academy. I mean, eventually they give it back. But, no, the Modernese Army took this bucket straight back to Madonia with them. And my favorite part is that they have it still on display in the town hall. That is some deep level pettiness. To really like recap, I guess we're going to sit here, we're going to recap our three, basically the three feuds or wars. So emus, right? The one thing was ridiculous causation, pettiness by, um, you know, the general and of uh, general Meredith and everything along those lines because he wanted revenge back on the emus because he lost the first time. Pettiness all around in a lot of ways. I mean, hello, we had... Petty Klein, aka Perry Klein, but I'm gonna call him Petty Klein. Mm-hmm. And then just the Battle of the Oaken Bucket. They're not giving a bucket back. They're just like, nope, my bucket. It's like, it's literally my like a uh, Bo. It's Bo with his toys and Scout with her toys. It's essentially like Bo will have a toy in front of Scout and he'll dangle in front of him. And Scout's like, but I want the toy. And he like goes after it. So like Scout's the Balinese army, Bo is Medina, and Bo like takes it back and he's like, ha ha ha, not happening, sucker. And then Scout's just like, but it's my toy. It's my it's my tennis ball. What what? What's going on here? And, and then- as a side note for our listeners, Bo, Scout, and Jasper are Alyssa's three dogs, and they're adorable. And they're ridiculous. But really, like in this case, it totally fits because You know what this totally hard. reminds me of? It reminds me of the that joke that Eddie Izzard makes, where it's like, well, no flag, no country. Those are the rules that I just made up, you know. No, <laughs> no, no bucket. These are the rules that I just made up. And it's like, it's like, but this is our, but that's our bucket. No, no, nope. no, nope. no. Does it have no your bucket. name on it? Well, no name, no bucket, you know. <laughs> like, again, mark your pigs, mark 
your buckets. <laughs> it's like that old meme or that old video. How do you kids? How do I? How do you pig? How do you bucket? bucket? Cause the Madanese army gonna find you. <laughs> they took it straight up find you. Like, let's be real. But I, I mean, oh we all God. know that the absurd wars are a ton of fun. And I believe we actually have what one more? One more episode. And it, I mean that episode, just kind of like to preface it, because you know, it's a long-standing rivalry. You know, it's this it's this giant state that just like separates us. And I have a lot of friends in this state, so I mean, if they're listening, I hope you know I love you. But it's, it's kind of like an absurd war itself. But you know, it is what it is. But I mean, to really, really preface it. Michigan did not lose. <laughs> we got the Upper Peninsula. Right? So. Right? Again, that, fighting over a small, small city. I don't I don't know. A small, small city that wants to be Michigan. But on that note, folks, if you are from the Great Lakes State or you are from the Buckeye State and you were listening, then you might know a little bit about our next war for next week which is the Toledo War. Therefore, we will be discussing that, spilling more tea, because let's be real, this episode was all of the tea being spilled on probably one of my new favorite wars. I don't know about you, Jill. I don't know. It got me through my work day today. So there you go. Well, hopefully you all enjoy this and you are enjoying the new year. If you are still the whole new year, new me, go you. Fulfill your dreams. Do your thing. Listen to the song that Andy Dwyer sings for, I believe it's Leslie's campaign, and it'll be great, and everything will be wonderful. There you go. So we look forward to seeing you next week. Send us any questions or episodes that you want to hear in the future to info.womenonwar at gmail.com. And also follow our Instagram and write us on our Facebook page. And additionally before that, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, Leave a review for us. We want to know what your thoughts are, and it would truly help us out a lot. So, take it away, Jillian. Jillian.